0: Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. I'm Kelly Quinlan. Joining me is Russell Johnson. We're going to do a little bit of an abbreviated one today as uh, Russell and I both have to get up early tomorrow morning, recording this on Thursday night, and uh, we're in the middle of spring Georgia Tech football, and uh, that's sort of the thing dominating uh, Jackets Online these days, and Georgia Tech Twitter, and social medias, and all of those fun things, And, and obviously you know, a different element, um, you know, this camp with six new on the field assistants, several support staff changes. Um, and then, you know, the core sort of guys back as well, you know, Jeff Collins, the head coach, Brent Key, um, Larry Dixon, uh, (laughs) Larry Knight, Kerry Dixon, um, and, um, Andrew Thacker, the defensive coordinator. So, um, that's sort of where we're at with it. You know, camp's been going pretty well. I actually really dig the energy and kind of what I've been seeing out in the practice field. I like coach long's offense. I like the new defensive hires they've made to Tillman David Turner and Jason Seymour. Uh, I think they've brought some good energy to it. Guys are flying around. Uh, the vibes really good actually down there. Um, you know, you know, it's been pretty intense. We watch a good bit of practice. Uh, we don't get to see the whole thing, but get an opportunity to see, you know, good on good, um, seven on seven stuff, all kinds of things. So, you know, I, I guess kind of from your, your perspective, Russell, kind of what are the things you're curious about? Cause I think everyone sort of has a bit of a grasp of, about what I, what I know, what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking. I guess maybe there's some things that I haven't touched on that have been percolating in your head.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's obviously um, the uh, each position group gets like their own day uh, in terms of the the media. And Thursday was the, the tight ends. And I think that's a position where uh, there's a lot of questions. And, you know, they added Luke Benson, uh, Dylan Leonard's there. Dylan Devaney will be back when he gets healthy. Um, you know, just that room seems to be um, something that's going to, to look a lot different, uh, whether it, it's not going to be the names, um, but it, it, it seems like it's going to be the production. Um, and I guess from what you've seen and that you're able to see in practice and, and what you can speak on, um, you know, what what does that look like so far?
0: So I think, you know, Dylan Leonard touched on this pretty, pretty accurately today they're a lot earlier in the progression than they were you know it seemed like the last few years they were the third fourth fifth read at times um for for jeff and and coach pat offense they were just sort of almost used like extra blockers and sort of a, like a safety outlet um which is fine if you are doing that i think it was a mistake to have that approach when you play it up as much as they did when they you know got here that they were going to use the tight end and i think jeff had grander visions than than what they've kind of were able to implement you know to me what's interesting is people are like wondering about production i actually wasn't concerned about the ability of these guys to catch football plan Leonard was a, a very solid high school wide receiver essentially he was playing sort of a tight end hybrid position. Um, you know, they have Luke Benson, who is a good vertical threat. Dylan DeVaney was the same thing. He was a guy split out wide in high school playing receiver. Um, and, even you know, they've moved P.J. Harris over, which is literally something I suggested four years ago, um, you know, just looking at body types and as they, they took over the offense, I had envisioned – that they were going to throw the ball a lot more to the tight ends than they, than they did the first few years. And so I thought it made a lot of sense to put him there with a bigger body, gives you kind of that flex move tight end uh, piece that's so popular now in the NFL and, and with some college teams, you, you can sort of cheat there with PJ Harris, who has that ability to catch football, maybe not quite as dynamic, but you know it gives you that piece because you don't have right now, uh, you know, big outside wide receivers, right? Like the two guys that are probably the two big outside wide receivers are, you know, two young guys, Leo Blackburn coming off his knees, not doing much this spring. And then James Blackstrain, who's also coming off, you know, he's two years now removed from his knee, but um, those are your two guys. So you, know, you have Ryan King, I guess, is the other sort of bigger body outside wide receiver, but they don't have a ton of The six foot five big guys and and the way Chip Long has liked to run his offense at Notre Dame, you know, which I go by as being sort of probably more in line with what he's going to do at Georgia Tech. What he did there is they used a lot of tight ends. They moved them all over the field. And you could do that with Dylan Leonard. You could do that with Devaney or Luke Benson or P.J. Harris. You know, Billy Ward, I think, is a little more of a traditional tight end. I'll be curious to see, kind of, how Ben Postma uh, continues to progress. He's been a guy who seems a little lost at times to me um, in his first year, and he was he was hurt some last year and missed some time. He's a guy I'd like to see kind of more from, Um, but. Yeah, looking at it, I, I've been impressed with how they're using them. And it's been good to see because, like, guys like Dylan Leonard are just really engaged right now because, you know, before they were sort of like glorified offensive tackles. And a buddy of mine, you know, used to joke with me. We were watching a game and he'd be like, why don't they just bring in a sixth offensive lineman if this is what they're going to do? Like, this makes no sense in the world, right? Like, so I think it's cool that they have something to, to, to use now that's a little bit different with those tight ends to actually make them a part of the offense. I am a firm believer in the tight end. If you're going to have it, use it. And, And it's the greatest mismatch on the field pretty much. Right. Other than if you can get a linebacker on a, on a fast running back, like it's just a total mismatch to guard those guys. No one has, you know, players big enough that move well enough to cover guys who could run in that seam area down the field at the tight end position. So I'm excited to see how Chip Long uses it.
1: Nice, nice. And then uh, I guess on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, the, the past three years, there's been two position coaches for the, the corners and safeties. And I know you've, you've touched on it on the board a little bit, um, but what is that dynamic looking like now from what you can share again uh, with sure. Tillman?
0: Sure. So. You know, for the, I guess the most relevant part of how that works in terms of just practice day-to-day is you have, you know, guys doing corner drills, which are totally different than safety drills, right? So typically, and, and I'm not sharing anything out of school because Jeff Collins and Thacker and, and Tillman have all talked about this, um, you know, Thacker will come over and work the safeties, right? Uh, while Timmons do corner drills and they'll switch off sometimes, you know, Jeff Collins really loves doing work with the safeties and, and he's pretty hands-on in that room as well. He's trying to be more engaged in the defense. I I can tell you for a fact, he is a lot more engaged in the defense just from things I know and, and, you know, being around him and even talking to Jeff on and off the record, like about what his plans are. Now he's going, Andrew Thacker's going to call the defense, but it's just a different tone. He's, I to me, Jeff seems freed up by having a guy he has more faith in running the offense. You have multiple guys who all really believe in the guy running the offense. You know, Brent Key, who's Jeff's right-hand guy, believes in Chip Long and what he's doing, and Chris Winkie and Brent and Chip are all on the same page, and Kerry Dixon and Mike Daniels are right there with him. So, you have a for the first time, I think, honestly, you have a real cohesive plan of attack. Like, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And I feel like they pushed Pat Note into things that didn't necessarily fit his, his game plan. So, that changed that dynamic there. On back, going back to the defense, like you talked about. Um, you know it's been fine. like so you, so you see David Turner working with the defensive tackles, right? You see Larry Knight spending time with defensive ends in these, you know individual periods. And then when they get into the room, they're all there and they could do stuff. you know, if that can move in and out of the room, Jeff could be in the room to work with the safeties and and coach Tillman, the biggest thing that he was trying to do, which was a huge issue before, is he wanted he wants the guys to understand why why a call works what they're doing and how it impacts the safety and the corner and they know each other's calls so they can relay them as well so if someone misses a signal they can get them the call everyone's on the same page and they've changed the they've changed how they're doing some of the the coverages and what the calls are to make them more complementary. um you know at times they'd be I mean, it did look like, you know, we had those breakdowns for Seth Griffin, like, they were, you know, guys doing two different things on a play, like, two completely different coverages, clearly, and you'd have even two safeties doing two different things, like, where no one was on the same page, and I think that what Coach Tillman and Coach Collins and Coach Thacker are trying to do is, Whatever everyone wants them to do right you want everyone to have the same call understand why they're in cover two or cover three or playing quarters or whatever it is like you know what the responsibilities are what our checks are and who does what in certain situations with certain looks and i think they've they've been playing a lot faster i, I can share that in terms of the secondary and the way they're running around um and you know they're still down some guys right like miles brooks um it's probably out for most of the spring. Uh, you know, they'll probably add, I would imagine they'll add another piece here or there. And you have new guys you bring it breaking in, like Kari G and Amari Harvey. And Jalen Marshall really looks impressive in person. And I forgot about this because I, I had a chance to meet him over the summer. And then getting to see him again in, in his full pads, it's like, wow, that he looks like a guy that will could play on Sundays just from a physical Like, he's just so well-built for a defensive back. I think it's exciting to see kind of where he's at. He's playing safety right now for them. Um, And, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, too, they have a veteran group, right? The, The core group that if they were to line up and play tomorrow would be like Zamari, Miles Sims, and Kenyatta would be your top three corners. Probably Caleb Edwards is your nickel, I guess. And then Derek Allen and Jay Jay King would be your safeties. And those dudes have all played a good bit of football. Like, it's not like they're all green guys. And, you know, Zamari and Miles played really well last year too. So, you know, despite how crappy the defense was, those two guys actually showed up and played some good games and some good football last year. And now you need, you know, the biggest thing with with Derek and Jay and the safeties is those guys got to be playing fast and loose and not overthinking which I think was something that seemed to cripple you know Reek and Wanye and and Jay and Derek last year even too when they were in there like it just seemed like the paralysis by analysis or they just it was very reactive and not proactive and I think you have to you can't just play on your heels at safety. You're going to get killed, and that's what happened a lot last year.
1: Now, well, uh, for I yeah, guess my my last couple questions for you with uh, spring football, your what's your favorite part about spring ball, and your least favorite part about spring ball, other than waking up early in the morning?
0: Yeah, I don't dig the we have three days a week of really early mornings for me. I'm not. A guy that gets up at like 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, not a... Tomorrow will be a 7 a.m. day. Um, yesterday was like 7 something. I'd take my kid to school early before I went to Tech. And that was on top of getting home at 12.15 a.m. from Clemson um, to cover a basketball game that went south uh, once again for the basketball team. Uh, you know, what I don't like about spring, um, to go first, is... I don't like that it doesn't lead to anything. It's sort of um, I'm trying to think of a not gross way to describe this. Um, it's sort of um, a lot of flirting with no action to it, right? Like it's anticlimactic. You have sort of this controlled scrimmage where basically you're trying not to get guys hurt, right? Um, I am a big proponent of playing like Auburn or somebody in a, in a spring game where you have some rules. Like you can only play your guys two quarters or something very specific, right? Like you put in some language and you play like a real scrimmage against someone else. Just like they do in basketball, right? They play a secret scrimmage. They play an exhibition game. I think it'd be great to play and have, you know, play teams you don't normally play on your schedule because of whatever. So play teams you used to have rivalry with. Like you should have, you know, North Carolina play Maryland football or something like that in a spring game and alternate home and away uh year in a year and year out it makes some money you can sell tickets to it like I that's the thing I hate about it the most The spread games usually soccer and really are a drag to cover and I've many years gotten out of it um through various methods until I was covering Georgia Tech and really had to kind of sit and do it myself um the thing I like the most about it is you get to see like everyone um get real reps right like I like seeing, you know, Sarah Bryant or whoever, like guys who I didn't see really do much last year, right? Like they were 13 or whatever. Those guys start to make their leaps up, like making their moves. Every, you know, Greg Carroll's a guy that was like hurt all last year and came back towards the end of the season. Didn't really get to see a ton from him and getting to watch him every day, do stuff. And getting to see all of these young guys that we've covered and got to know, you know see things start to click for them too right like and see their bodies uh get more mature with strength and conditioning work and and start to become contributors and and you know you can see the flashes sometimes of of when the light bulb comes on and, and also the surprises right like so like you know a guy that surprised me so far is dj moore right like just a freaky guy athletically but um you know from talking to sources and stuff he's He's been really good in camp for them, and yeah, as Chip Long said today, he's like he has no idea what he's doing half the time, but he makes catches and he runs fast, right? And he does everything at 100 miles an hour, and that's great. And it's something that'll push the other guys in that room too to 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 get better. So it's fun seeing those guys. It's good to see that you know. I think the vibe's really cool in spring. Everyone's a little more relaxed, a little more fun you know, the coaches are more laid back, everyone's, you know, it's all hugs and happy to see each other, and that part of it's a little more cool, too, I think, August, you know, maybe the first two weeks of fall camp are like that, and then it gets really serious as the season starts to roll in. I
1: don't know, I, I can agree with that from, from my time covering spring football.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just a... Um, it's like a learning it's the part of football where you're doing the most teaching is right now. And then the beginning of fall camp, and I think the coaches really dig doing that too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: that's sort of where we spring football is you know, we're still pretty early in it. I, you know, the one thing that stands out to me, I think is the, the offensive line numbers are still now where they need to be. And they obviously have some guys coming in, um, in, in the fall, but I think, you know, we have been both very clear that we expect them to make some moves in the portal to try to strengthen that. Obviously last year, they went out and got um, KJ Kirby late to kind of add depth. And then he ends up getting hurt and missing a huge chunk of the season, but I expect they'll make probably some more dynamic moves than that. Like some guys that are, have a little more, um, a little more of a resume on the, on the table. Um, then, then, you know, a KJ Kirby, I think they're going to go try to find guys who can push for starting jobs, can, can level things up here. And you have sort of the core of the line, which is, you know, right now, Jordan Williams at right tackles, having a pretty good spring. You know, you have um, Western Franklin at center. Right now, Ja'Kyle left, which probably left tackle. And then the guard spots, I think, are kind of fluid. You have Tio, you have um uh pierce quick you have mike may you have paula Fepulu. those are sort of the four guys kind of battling there Cade coots is having an okay spring as well he's starting to kind of come on a little bit so that's good to see with him from what i understand um so you know the, it's going to be interesting they just don't have um quite enough guys you know, a, a real guy who could kind of make a break himself right now is Wayne Green, um, who's sort of the swing tackle. Can play both right and left, um, kind of backing up Jordan Williams, from what Brett Key said the other day. But you know, those are the guys in the spring that can have an opportunity to kind of carve out their spot because they're getting tons of reps, and they got to make the most of those. and And I'm really curious about you know T.O. Quick and and how they. Um, kind of how they develop and can they hold on to their jobs? And, and is it an area where like some guy like Mike May, who's never played, you know, can physically has all the tools, just has never been able to put together on the field. Could, could he jump up and, and steal a job? Or Paula is a guy that, that Brett loves. Can he, you know, make a big leap up? Cause you know, he by his own admission struggled like hell last year and his limited playing time. And, is ready for, you know, to try and redeem himself, I think. So it's, it's an interesting time going through spring. And, um, you know, they lost so many guys. Losing Nick Penley was huge. You know, losing even Ryan Spires. You know, they've had multiple medicals all out of the, the last two classes on the offensive line. You have Michael Rankins, who was one of their higher-rated offensive line signees, and, you know, end up basically going through a spring. And that was it. as an early enrollee um so it's just they've had some tough luck there and and that's always a position where you have tough luck um just you know i can say this having covered multiple teams and multiple styles of offenses multiple levels of of what you would call you know from covering a factory school to covering you know a g5 program and, and georgia tech in the middle there it's it's a common issue across college football and that's why everyone's always looking for more offensive linemen
1: Yeah, yeah, and then you know I think we like you said we both made it clear that we expect them to add multiple players from there. It's sort of like you know the Braves
0: going out and signing a a, like a hitter, right? Like you try to figure out where to plug them in, you know, into your lineup. Like it may, you know, somebody might be a great left fielder, but you have a good left fielder, so can they play a little right? Can they DH or whatever it is? Like you just try to. To find something, someone that can step in to improve your lineup, and it doesn't have to be like the perfect position fit. You're just looking for a guy that can
1: compete. Right, right.
0: Um, you know, turning the page here, looking at um, the first. You know, we're coming up on the first sort of big recruiting weekend. Uh, you know, the beginning of the month opened uh, the. I guess is it the quiet period? Is that what they call it, Russell? Um yes. So Yeah,
1: because recruits are allowed on campus, but coaches aren't allowed to like go see them. Yeah. So they call that the quiet period. All activity with recruits other than communication has to take place on a college campus.
0: So, you know, this is the time where kids start coming around and um, obviously this weekend will be the first of probably several big recruiting weekends. They'll have kids in every day. Russell's always on top of that stuff. If you guys want to know who's, who's been on campus, who's coming, who's going, Russell's got it covered at Jackets Online. You can check it out. We're not going to get into the weeds on that. But um, I guess, you know, looking at it from the 10,000-foot view, what's really important for, for recruiting over these next few weeks? And, and is it just getting the kids back on campus and getting them to meet the, the new coaches and see the vibe at practice, those kinds of things?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's those are the, the kind of obvious things. Um, but but really, I think this is the time where uh, you should, and, and should is the key word, you know, start to see uh, Georgia Tech creating some – positive momentum in recruiting um, mm-hmm. because in, in february and in january and uh, it was everything going on with you know kids entering the portal and uh, you know kids decommitting from the 23 class and by the way Actually, let's
0: take a time out here this has literally been going on with, including the team that won the national championship down the road they lost multiple commits even in the last week um, this has been quite a common occurrence right now with the 23 classes The this is seems to be the class of decommitments um in some ways like it's been kind of a crazy crazy three months really since the start of the year for that so i don't even know how specific it is to georgia tech i think there's guys that decommitted probably because of staff changes but um this is not an uncommon theme and everyone's sort of struggling right now to put their classes together
1: yeah yeah that's exactly, um. But I think this is where you'll see, um, you know, some top guys become identified. Um, I believe most of them have been offered already by now. Um, there are a couple who you know, could get offered, um, and then you know, you've also this is also the a great time. Uh, you know, a lot of high schools and and kids are are on you know, spring break, and they're able to you know get on the road and and start to see schools, and you know, Georgia Tech's on that list and. You know, as much as a lot of uh, people, especially Georgia Tech fans, dislike the fact that these kids like factory schools and, and want to visit them, a kid who's visiting, you know, U- Alabama in UGA, they've got a great place to stop right there, not in the middle exactly, but, you know, like, you know, Georgia the airport,
0: certainly you're passing through, and
1: yeah, if you're going on exactly. the highway,
0: you're passing through, like,
1: yeah. yeah and and with that, you know being able to capitalize on that, but then also um, being able to use the relationships that the, uh, the the new coaches have from their their home states but then also you know places they've coached in the past and and things like that and just being able to get those kids on campus and and seeing if you you've got a potential fit there, um, you know it, kind of feeling each other out process, especially for uh, some of the kids who are meeting the the new coaches for the first time, or if they, you know, especially on the offensive line, for example, uh, there's a, a kid who's I'm going to remain going to remain unnamed at the right right now, but he's coming he's going to Georgia Tech this weekend, and you know there are two huge things that factor into um, an offensive lineman's recruitment, you know, f- frame in terms of how much they can put on. Good weight, bad weight, all of that situation, and then obviously the academics at a school like Georgia Tech. So you know there there'll be check-ins on both of those, and you know if if he gets to the to campus and he's you know well over three hundred and forty pounds and it has some bad weight on him, then you know I I don't expect him to you know continue to to be heavily recruited, and then you know the same thing if you know his grades aren't where they need to be especially, you know, at this point of your junior year, you could get 4.0s the rest of your high school career. And if you were messing around your freshman and sophomore year, you're kind of screwed.
0: That's uh, always one of the funny parts about Georgia Tech is like, it's a a two-edged thing too, because they're also trying to find kids that can survive academically. So it's not just, you know, that you, that's where that whole thing of, did you focus early on in your, your high school career, can you handle studying and the workload, because they can help you through school with tutors study all, all of those things. But they can't help you if you don't know how to help yourself right like you don't have work habits to, to make things work and that's one of the things they're looking at too with transcripts and. And one of the things that, you know, every Georgia Tech coach I talked to is that one of the things they talk to they talk to coaches, guidance counselors, teachers, in schools just to try to find out and measure that like, or you know, are you is that kid capable of doing the work, right? Like, that's a that's a different animal than say you know, Alabama or Clemson or some of the other places that have places to hide kids like that Georgia Tech doesn't. So you got to be you have to be able to hold up the student part of student athlete. And that's where getting the kids on campus, getting the relationships. One of the other things they do too, and this isn't talked about a lot either, is they will try to get them around the current players because those guys have a pretty good BS detector and can kind of figure out what kids are about and like how legit stuff is and all of those types of things as well.
1: Yeah. That that filling out process is rather important as well. Um and then you know, getting getting one of the uh, the, the former commits back on campus. Um, you know, he's he's been in touch with his the new position coach at at Georgia Tech um, for a while, and you know, him actually getting there to campus for the visit. Um, you know, being from Florida can be a little bit difficult, but you know, just being able to, to facilitate that visit and make it happen unofficially. I mean, it's almost an accomplishment in itself, especially for a Miami kid.
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorite kids in this class, too. Um, I really enjoyed getting to hang out with him and getting to know him. and uh, It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out over time with his with his recruitment, as he seems to be really kind of hell-bent on continuing to speed it up. Um, and then maybe that benefits Georgia Tech is if, if the process is fast.
1: Right, right. And you know looking at the list I have currently, there are recruits from Florida, Texas, Georgia obviously, and Ohio. A
0: little bit different also, than
1: usual. Yes, but I mean that's uh, that's four of the top five states in the the cut uh, four of the top seven in the country. Sure. In terms of uh, high school football talent, and that's without the state of Ohio even playing spring football. I could go. I could do a sixty-minute podcast on that.
0: Oh, are they one of the states that uh, that's not a, a spring football? Uh,
1: no, they don't do any type of spring football, and um, you know, some trainers are starting to pop up in the area, and if. Uh, if your kid's not like the elite elite, the parents are like trying to shut it down. It, it's a fascinating thing because, you know, there's been this large market for um, like a private trainer, whether it's a QB coach, there's a really, really, really good QB coach here in, in the area who is uh, becoming nationally known. And uh, there are a lot of people who dislike what he's doing because he's taking the shine off of the high school coaches, which has been the the main rub um the past few years and there's some of that even in in Georgia in terms of high school coaches getting a little bit envious of the you know the the Quincy Avery's and the the Tony Ballard's of the world um with seven on seven but Ohio's nothing like that yet
0: huh that's interesting um yes you know that stuff will start to sort itself out. We're kind of really about to hit the tipping point in recruiting. Um, but really, there's not a lot to, to say about it yet until these kids start taking these visits, which will come. I will say I saw the kid from Grayson It's in eighth grade, and uh, you would have no idea it was an eighth grader. Um, he was walking around Georgia Tech's camp practice the other day and I was like, holy cow, look at that kid. Like,
1: yeah, that was. That was uh, that was something. I did an interview with them, and then I'm thinking to myself, "Is that really a story you run on an eighth grader?" Apparently,
0: these days you do, Um, because he'll be wanted by everybody. You know, assuming his trajectory stays as is, and nothing you know, knock on wood, nothing happens to the kid. Like he's got a chance to be really special and be a national recruit. And it's funny because like. He was just soaking it all in. I watched him kind of walking around. That was sort of interesting.
1: Um, that wasn't even the biggest recruit they had on campus that day. No, you
0: know, that's also funny. Uh, I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark, and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool, and they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think... Uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media, and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Online, all caps, and check out section103.com. Um, great website they have all kinds of cool stuff and and you know people for years have been asking me for cool georgia tech designs unique things um and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff you know andrew thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice which i thought was really cool and something i pointed out not knowing that it was one of these designs so check out our sponsor section 103 great great company let's start to lie down here um Baseball, obviously, a big series this weekend. Uh, the clean old-fashioned hate. You get a game in Atlanta on Friday, a game in Athens on Saturday, and then they'll play at the Gwinnett. Um, Gwinnett Braves, is that what they are?
1: Oh or come on, Kelly.
0: Dude, I've never been there. Like to, you know, I kind of wanted to go cover. Actually, I have a family thing on Sunday. I was going to totally go over and go cover the. Are they the Stripers? Is that what they're called?
1: There you go. Yeah, learn the World Series champs minor league organizations.
0: Well, they guy. used to be called. Weren't they like the Richmond Braves when they were in Richmond?
1: Yeah, they were also the Gwinnett Braves at one point, but then okay, and then they, they changed. They the- wanted to get creative. And,
0: yeah, so I'm not That's that. That's not stuff. that. There was that out of left field to not know that. Like, and I live on the other side of Atlanta. Like. You know, that'd be like if I gave you a hard time about something in Cleveland, dude. Like, it's not exactly totally your your neck of the woods. But yeah, so they'll play those three games, obviously, uh, you know, big series for pride points, um, you know, men's basketball taking care of business. I assume the women beat Georgia, but I don't actually know they. I'll have to look that up. Um,
1: yeah, you so, can look that up and then, you know, you know. Bragging
0: rights, right? Like, it's. Um, that's what people want right like they want um yeah they did beat georgia uh 55, 55 54 in, in athens and georgia's ranked number 20 at the time um, nice women won tonight they're gonna play i think it's notre dame in the next round friday night that uh, should be on um, valley sports for those who love that so much the regional sports networks of the acc Uh, that's a whole other topic of conversation, but, uh, crack points, right? Like, you know, especially right now, they've got it going on in football. So you you need to take care of the other sports to make, you know, things feel a little bit better while football tries to catch up as best they can to, to what's going on in Athens. So,
1: you know, big series for Danny Hall is
0: actually walking behind him today on campus, uh, as he was walking with a couple of his players, um, over to the edge building from the, the rusty sea. And, um, it's, it's going to be a good sort of measuring stick. The offensive been seems to be really firing on all cylinders for for Tech right now. So maybe their bats stay hot and it'll be an interesting series. What kind of what are what the things people need to watch for this weekend with that?
1: So I think, uh, you know, the two main factors are going to be, you know, it, can Huff have the same control he did in the command he did last Friday? And, if, you know, if he's able to do that and continue to miss Bass the way he did, both him and Maxwell, um, I think you've got a, a real solid one and two in terms of Friday and Saturday in the rotation. Um, but from the sounds of things, it sounds like they're going to go, you know, all hands on deck. Like this is a, almost a regional type of uh, um, like mindset in terms of um, having a Sunday TBA because they're just – They're going to – everybody's available in the bullpen on Friday night. Everybody's available in the bullpen on Saturday night because they want to do everything they can to win those first two games so you're not going into Sunday in a, you know, triple-A ballpark. And, you know, I wouldn't say unfamiliar territory, but, you know, you don't want to go there with a rubber game and then have, like, the the TBA, which is likely going to be – you know, somebody who hasn't started a game yet this season. You don't want to get into that type of situation. Um, now, the big difference, like the the huge difference between, you know, Georgia and Georgia Tech right now in terms of baseball is Georgia Tech's run production. Uh, I was looking over it, and Georgia Tech's fifth and sixth leading batters in terms of rbi which are you know chandler simpson and andrew jenkins would both be leading georgia in terms of rbis because you know going into this series they are currently their leader currently has six rbis
0: um,
1: which is is not the uh not the greatest especially when you know georgia tech's got kevin parada with six homers 20 rbis you know three stolen bases and then You've got Chandler Simpson, who's you know batting 485 with with eight RBIs, eight stolen bases, and you know a double, a triple, and a homer, which was you know, that grand slam that went over the catch off the catcher's glove. And then I mean, you've still got Compton, Gonzalez, and then Reed. So like Stephen Reed, through all his struggles, you know, I'm, as of right now, he's had 32 ABs and he struck out in 11 of them. Mm. Um, he would be leading the team in Athens in RBI, um, but their strength really starts with their their pitching, and uh, that's why it's going to be you know, such a, a real tough matchup, I think, for uh, for Tech. I mean, Tech's the bats are going to just have to you know out outpower the pitching. You know, you've seen that so many times in in Major League Baseball and, and in the past in college baseball. You know, but good pitching normal, it, normally normally has the upper hand on the um, the batters Uh, so that'll be really interesting because Jonathan Cannon is really good and then you know if like I said if if Huff can can show that yesterday or last Friday wasn't just a you know a blip in the radar and and that's who he has the potential to be on a on a weekly basis uh, then I think that's where you know you could see that game getting down into the the bullpen and I think Georgia Tech fans seem to be much more confident in uh, Dawson Brown than the option they had last year.
0: Sure, uh, I mean it's, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how this is a sort of the first real test for them, right? And yeah, um, you look, you know, ahead. They play this series, and then they play. You know, they'll open up ACC play next weekend, so it's kind of important to get things going as well because. It sort of jumps from there, right? Like you, you have I think one midweek game next week, and then um, they jump into sort of into the fire. And then it's funny they have a whole bunch of games over what's uh, normally spring break. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where you know this team is, and can they build some early momentum? And you know, sitting at eight and one right now, um, how they play, you know, on the road again, and um, you know they're they're one-on-one one right now this year on the road so yeah it's always you know f- there'll be a ton of georgia fans i'm sure at foley field in athens and and then obviously um a ton of people at the game in going too it, it's actually you know, i really liked when they were playing it in, um and what's now truest or you know the brave stadium over the years i think that's even more special for the guys and um I would like to see them get back to that at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that would be great. That that would definitely be great. Um, you know, still looking at some more stats here, and <laughs> Kevin Parada would actually be tied for the uh, their team lead in stolen bases with the three he has. <laughs> um, so the um, burner Jordan, that is
0: the George Tech catcher,
1: right? And you know, I think that. You know, for Georgia Tech, you know, I wrote about it in, you know, my Brussels rambling column, and and that's really kind of, you know, the the lineup construction is what seems to be um, the big question in terms of the bats, Uh, because, you know, when you've got Simpson and Parada batting at the top, which, I mean, nobody can question either one of those right now, Um, but, you know, three to six, three to nine is really where the, you know, the questions are raised, because, you know, Jenkins is really struggled a little bit in terms of, you know, pitch recognition and, and taking too many pitches so far this season. Um, and then, you know, Compton and, and um, Reed are always going to be, you know, strikeout risks. I mean, Compton, he can hit really well. And, you know, he, he's going to get drafted probably in this summer. But the thing is, is that, you know, he's, he's got 10 strikeouts already and, and 31 ABs. I mean, that's a, he's, striking out one out every three times he's at the plate. And
0: he's just prepared for his major league career, Russell. That's what MLB players do now. He has four home runs and thirty one at bats. Like that sounds like a like a typical slugger in the major leagues these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, with, with him also, and you know, not trying to go on too much of a tangent here, but the uh, the defense is what is going to, to kind of make or break this team. I know everybody including myself thought it was going to be the pitching uh, but the pitching seems to have really held up so far and, and to be honest the, the the fielding has too for the most part but you know there's there's been some plays to where you know you kind of just scratch your head and you're like what what just happened um you know Compton is about as comfortable i think as he's ever going to get it at third um but long term if he's like if he's going to play in the majors or, you know, NMLB or minor league baseball. I think it'll be at first base or, you know, possibly even DH. Uh, but then you've also got Chandler Simpson who, you know, everybody who was recruiting him in the transfer portal wanted him as a second baseman. And then he gets to Georgia Tech, uh, you know, works really hard. And, you know, there there are some plays that he ma- he can make with, you know, his range and everything. It's short, but then there's also some plays where, you know, you wonder if you know a faster runner or a, you know, a harder hit ball is going to get the, uh, the the runner to first before he can get the ball over there. I, and you know, you've you've got these question marks. And then you know, in the outfield, you know, I think it was Ramsey who talked about having three center fielders basically, you know, when healthy with DeLeo, Gonzalez, and Hall. Um, but you know, with DeLeo out. You know what does that outfield look like? Are you going to put Reed out there all three games if he's you know still striking out the way he has? I mean, that that's the question that I have. And then you know seeing Tim Borden kind of you know take the the grab the reins of the the second base job, I think has been a great uh, sign of progress for for both him and for for Tech, um, especially with Anderson's struggles early on in the season.
0: It's going to be interesting to see, and it'll be a uh, should be a fun weekend, hopefully for tech fans, and hopefully uh, for for our fans, uh, a victorious one for the jackets because that's what they'll want. But um, any kind of final thoughts, uh, predictions? I guess for for this uh, clean old fashioned eight this weekend, you got a get a prediction of how you think the series is going to go.
1: So I actually I did we I had my live Q and A. Um, you know, earlier tonight, and I believe I did, yeah, I had I have Georgia winning tomorrow night Friday night, and I have Georgia Tech winning on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I think that the the pitching for for Canon is um, from Canon is gonna be big. I think you know it'll be like a a, a four to two, four to three type game. And then um, Saturday, I think is where. You know, I think Georgia Tech could get pretty comfortable um, in terms of you know, going against a lefty who's kind of had a little bit of struggles early on in the season. Um, and then Sunday, Sunday is Sunday, and I think that's where, you know, like I said, they'll be in a A park, and it would be interesting to see who – it'll be fascinating, honestly, to see who Georgia Tech puts out there and pitches. Um, I, I really do think it will end up being Marquise Grissom, Jr., um, especially after pitching him a, a pre-planned two innings on Tuesday, um, yeah, but he not, also, right? yeah, yeah, I, I think he he could end up also pitching on uh, either Friday or Saturday and kind of making that null and void. Uh, so you know, time will tell on that. But you know, the the struggles from Aiden Finitari is what uh, has kind of prompted, in my opinion, the the TBA on Sunday, um, even though no nobody officially, you know with Georgia Tech or, or close to the program will confirm that. Um, so, you know, Saturday I've got Georgia Tech winning. And then, like I said, Sunday I have, I have Georgia Tech winning to to win the series. And uh, it would be really uh, something to see kind of what the polls would look like. I know it's still really early, um, but just, you know, wh- where they're at and, and how far they climb because, you know, a lot of polls nationally are just now starting to um, recognize UGA. I mean, going into this weekend, they're undefeated. And then uh, Georgia Tech is, you know, going to this game with just the one loss in the midweek. Um, so being able to, to, like you said, it's a measuring stick.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the one thing. And, and ultimately, too, you just never know what um, the season's going to hold, uh, especially so early on for either team. So, you know, uh, pitching pitching, and pitching tend to, to rule the roost as the season George Tex you know rise up there or stifle Tex that's the big question. we will find out on uh, We're gonna wrap things up, uh thanks Russell and this has been the Jackets Online Podcast.